At this time, we'd like to welcome our senior pastor, Pastor Will. Have you noticed lately that uh, the world seems to be increasingly more and more divided, or is it just me? Have anybody else, have you noticed that? It's kind of almost like a silly question to ask. The world's gotten so divided. Uh, anything from our politics seems to be really heated up to, to religion. Uh, for me, even uh, Facebook is uh, probably one of the most divided places. In fact, uh, not that long ago, somebody unfriended me on Facebook. And, and, and the weird part was that the way that I found out was they unfriended me and then accidentally friended me again and then unfriended me. So they unfriended me twice. And, the, and in my mind, I started thinking uh, the, what I was so upset about was that I wanted to unfriend them first. I wanted to win. I wanted to, to be right in this situation. And, and I think that's what's maybe this idea of winning and getting right is at the heart of our division, both politically and, and even in our church. There's been a lot of division in our church. I know that you're not strangers to that. And, and I want to start out this morning by saying I'm sorry. I'm sorry for... For what all you have have gone through and and the struggle and the heartbreak that that you've experienced here at Rochelle's United Methodist Church. And and I've been praying for you. We have a future ahead of us. A bright future. This is a great church. This is a great place. This is a wonderful community. And there's so much that we're going to be able to do. And, And I think that we've discovered both through fighting in politics and fighting in our churches that... That nobody wins. Nobody ever wins. Has anybody ever felt like that they, they've won through that? This week at Vacation Bible School, as uh, Pastor Michael has already shared with us, I learned, along with a lot of our children that are here, that whenever there's division, whenever there is, 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 is a struggle happening in your life or in, in the life of people around you, kids, what do we do? We shine Jesus' light. Right. Amen. That's what we're called to do. We're called, the church is called to be a people. We're called to be a a people in a place that shines Jesus' light. When people aren't treating us like sons and daughters of God, what do we do? When they're going out of their way to hurt our feelings, everybody, what do we do? Amen. We're beginning a new series today that I'm calling do love and walk and it's actually a a companion series it's going to flow right into another series that will start in probably uh, late july or august called jesus said and and what both of these series are 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 really my philosophy what guides me in my ministry and and we're starting out today with micah 6 8 it's called the great requirement and when we get into the series jesus said we're going to talk about the the great commandment uh and then we're going to talk about the great commission and so all that's going to be a part of uh, a back-to-back series that we're doing and this morning our our main text today that i that i want you to to hold in your mind and your heart is from micah chapter 6 verse 8 and again we call this the great requirement it says this He has told you, human one, he has told you, or son of man, what is good and what the Lord requires from you, to do justice, to embrace faithful love, and to walk humbly with your God. I want to invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together here in this space this morning to be able to come before you and and to worship you. In our singing, worship you through our prayers, worship you through, uh, through our presence here today. And, and Lord, I pray now that the, uh, 
that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would join together to be pleasing in your sight. Christ our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. I'm doing this passage backwards. I, I, I stuck with the series name, Do, Love, and Walk, but I, I believe at the heart of being able to do justice and to love, uh, love uh, mercy, what we have to be able to do to love kindness or faithful love, as it says in this common English translation, is we got to first begin by walking humbly. That's the beginning place. That's the start. I believe walking humbly is also the start for, for us as, as we're going to, to heal the division, the, the divide that happens in our lives, in our, in our relationships, in our marriages, in the life with our kids, in the life of our church, in the life of our community, the life of our politics. It all begins with walking humbly because walking humbly helps us overcome the need to be right. Walking humbly helps us overcome that, that drive inside of, and it, it seems like it's inside of everybody in some varying degree that we want to win. Walking humbly helps us shine Jesus' light. It's how we begin to look. It's how we begin to act. It's how we begin to live like Jesus. I want us to back up. We, we started in Micah 6, 8, but I want us to back up and look at the preceding verses, beginning in verse 1, Micah 6, verse 1. And I want you to see this picture that, that's being painted by Micah as the Lord is speaking through him. It's very picturesque as the way that, the way that Micah is speaking and also uh, mentions something that I don't typically think about God uh, doing to his people. And that is, he says, arise, lay out a lawsuit before the mountains. Lay out a lawsuit before the mountains. Let the hills hear your voice. Hear mountains. The lawsuit of the Lord. Here, eternal foundations of the earth. The Lord has a lawsuit against his people. Wow. He has a lawsuit against his people with Israel, and he will argue it. My people, what did I ever do to you? Have I wearied you? He says, answer me. Answer me. I want to hear from you. I want to I hear back. What are, your, what are you thinking? What are you feeling right now? And then God says, he reminds them first of his faithfulness before he gives them that chance to speak. I brought you up out of the land of Egypt, remember he says? I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of slavery. You were slaves in Egypt and I, I rescued you. I sent Moses and I sent Aaron and I sent Miriam before you. My people. Remember what Moab's king Balak had planned? Balak had planned to curse Israel, and he brought in a prophet named Balaam to, Balaam to do it. He brings in Balaam, Beor's son, and, he, and, and God is speaking here, and he says, Remember what King Balak had planned and how Balaam, Beor's son, answered him? Balaam, when he, came, uh, when he came, he said, I can't do anything unless Yahweh the Lord instructs me to do it. I can't curse these people. And instead of cursing, Balaam came, and he blessed the people of Israel. God reminds them of that fact. He says, I freed you from slavery in Egypt. I, you, were, you were going to be cursed, but I made sure instead of cursing that you were blessed. Remember, verse 5 continues, remember everything from Shittim to Gilgal that you might learn to recognize the righteous acts of the Lord. And immediately the people of Israel, beginning in verse 6 and verse 7, they start responding. They start responding to God saying, with, with what should I approach the Lord and bow down before God on high? Should I come before him with entirely burned offerings, with, with a year old calves? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with many torrents of oil? 
Should I give my oldest child for my crimes, the fruit of my body for the sin of my spirit? We all ask this question from time to time. What does the Lord want for me? What does the Lord want for me? And we oftentimes get really busy. We assume what, what God wants from us is something. We busily suggest to God, oftentimes, is your prayer life like my prayer life, where you start telling God what you think that he wants instead of listening to hear from God what he wants from you? We start to believe maybe that if we do more, maybe if we give more, we even ask questions like, what do you want, my firstborn? Do you want my child? I'll give them to you, God. What is it that you want? We take the assumptions that are in our brain and we, and we send them up and we, and we imagine them coming out of God's mouth and we, we hear these assumptions back from God and we hear them back as expectations, but they were all started in our own mind. They started in our own heart. We start to think that we have to have all the answers. This is, this is one of the biggest struggles for people being willing to, to live out their faith publicly, to be willing to share their faith, is that, that they think that they have to get it right all the time. That we have to know everything there is to know about God. we got to know everything there is to know about the Bible. we got to know how to pray. A lot of people won't pray in public because they're terrified that they're going to say something wrong. We think we got to get it right. We think we always have to be on a spiritual high. We, we think if we're, we're not healthy or, or wealthy or wise that maybe something's wrong with us. We think that maybe God's not blessing us. What does the Lord want from me? He has told you, human one, what is good and what the Lord requires from you. To do justice, to embrace faithful love, and to walk humbly with your God. Verse 8 makes clear what God wants is not something he wants you what god wants is you god wants me god wants us that's what god wants here's the thing with god god's expectations are higher than we think but they're not what we think the talmud teaches that in psalm 15 david condensed the mosaic law from 613 laws can you imagine 613 laws, and they were, and a lot of the, the, the early priests, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the one Jesus gives the hardest time to, they had memorized not only the first five books of the Bible, but they knew all 613 laws. Well, the Talmud teaches us that, that David condensed 613 to 11. And then here in Micah that we're reading this morning, Micah reduces those 11 down to 3. And Jesus, when he's being questioned by the Pharisees, and the Pharisees, I believe, had in mind 613 laws. When they're asking Jesus, they said, why don't you tell us? Because it was a trick question. They thought it was a trick question. Why don't you tell us what's the most important law? Why don't you tell us of the 613, we dare you to pick one. And Jesus says, I can do it. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. And Jesus was, a, Jesus, uh, was a, an exceptional student. He, he exceeds their expectations. He said, and just in case you need a second, it's love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. And, and second, just in case you needed it, it's love your neighbor as yourself. The Old Testament and the New Testament, Genesis to Revelation, there's one common thread that runs throughout that entire book of Scripture, is that love of God and love of your neighbor are inseparable standards for God's people. You have to do it. It's a requirement. The case God is laying out before his people, what he wants them to understand is because of all that he has done, God's people are to live in a certain way. There's a great requirement to do justice, to love, 
mercy or embrace faithful love and walk humbly with your God. All of these are connected for how our love for God is connected to how we love others. Do, love, and walk. What does it look like to walk humbly? Genesis 5.22 talks about a man named Enoch. You know what it says about this man named Enoch? It says, after he became the father of Methuselah, perhaps you're familiar with that name, Methuselah lived a really, really long time. Well, it says about Enoch, the father of Methuselah, that he walked faithfully for 300 years. He walked faithfully. I think walking faithfully is what Mike is describing. I believe it means that he walked justly. I believe that it means that he walked with love, he walked in love, and that he walked humbly. He walked faithfully. What an amazing statement. Wouldn't you love for somebody to be able to say that about you? That at the end of your life, that someone would stand up uh, and, and speak over you that you walked faithfully, like Enoch walked faithfully. And he did it for 300 years. That's a long time. Can't even imagine 300 years. Sometimes I, I struggle to get three days right. Enoch walked faithfully 300 years, and he's remembered for how he lived in relationship with God and how he lived in relationship to God's people. Genesis 6, 9 begins the story of Noah and says, This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, and he was blameless to the people of his time. And you know what Noah did? He walked faithfully with God. If you want to know what walking faithfully looks like in Scripture, look at Enoch. Look at Noah. Look at Abraham. Look at Isaac. Look at Jacob. Look at Ruth. Look at Naomi. To walk humbly is a description of our hearts. It's a description of our hearts and our attitude towards God and towards people. It means being like Jesus. It means, kids, can you help me? Shining Jesus' light, right? I knew they'd get tired eventually. First John says, by this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought to himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Or to live as he lived. It's interesting to me that the emphasis is not on believing, but walking. It's not on right thinking, it's on right living towards God and towards people. And Jesus, of course, is our ultimate example if we're looking at what it means to walk humbly, to walk faithfully with God all of our lives. Jesus, in, in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset that is Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality, with God, something to be used was on advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Irenaeus, a second century theologian, said this, Christ became what we are so that we might become what he is. Christ became what we are so that we might become what he is. And you know what that is? Sons and daughters. Jesus was the son of God. And through Jesus, we become sons and daughters of God. And, and I, I've decided if I never preach another sermon or if you never come back to hear another sermon from me, what I hope that you leave here today with, what I hope that you know is that God has chosen you, that God loves you, that you are God's sons and you are God's daughters, that Jesus has done that for us on the cross. I want you to know that it's so important that you know whose children you are. What does the Lord want from us? He wants me. He wants you. He wants all of us. And he wants all of us in here to 
to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with him. He wants us to strive to live like he lived. He wants us to strive to love people the way he loved people. That's what God wants from you. That's what God wants from us. Walking humbly looks like doing what Jesus did. Walking humbly means that we do for others what we want people to do for us. What are things that you want? What do you want? Whatever it is that you want, what are some basic needs? You want to eat? You want to, you want to have something to drink? You want to have shelter? If you know that you want all those things, then do it for other people. What is every single person? You know there's one thing that we cannot live without. You know what every single person in this world wants? They want, they want to love. They want to be loved. If you believe that that's something that you need, then you need to make sure that you are actively loving others. You need Jesus. Anybody ever say that to you? Like in the wrong way, it's a, it's a bad thing. Isn't it? You, that, that guy needs Jesus. Well, guess what? Other, others need Jesus too. We need Jesus. Imagine if the church, imagine if you and I walked humbly. And I know that it's hard. I know that it's hard to walk humbly when you're surrounded. Sometimes it seems by people who aren't walking humbly, who aren't treating you the way that you think you should be treated. Well, you know what I learned this week from Jeff and Jordan? I learned that you can find uh, it's possible, no matter what your beliefs are, to, to, to come together. Uh, they, they made comparisons between cats and dog people, favorite colors, whether you like blue or you like green. I've even heard that wild cats and cardinals can find some common ground in which they can exist in the same roof together. I know you don't believe it, but it's true. Division is a choice. If we can't find common ground, it usually means that we've stopped trying. You know, I've heard a lot, most of my life, in fact, I actually grew up with a belief that was said to be rooted in Scripture that the world is getting worse and worse and worse. But a lot lately, I've been wondering, is that true? Is it possibly true? Think about the Lord's Prayer that we pray. I, I don't know about you all, but I think you probably pray it every single Sunday. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. How is it if we're praying that prayer every single week, where's the disconnect where we believe that that's not possible? Where the church has given up and saying, it's not possible for the realities of heaven to be the realities of earth. That it's something that could actually come through that God might be wanting to use us to work in and through us to make it happen. I believe the world is oftentimes in many ways becoming a better place. I believe it's certainly supposed to be. I believe the church, God's people are supposed to be making the world around them a better place. So what if we believe that? What if when we prayed that prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if we believed that that was possible and that we believed that it was something that God wanted to do in and through us? And we started living like we believed it. What if we started walking humbly? What if we started shining Jesus' light all over this community? A few things would happen. I think a lot of things would actually happen. But I think things like hungry people would be fed. Homeless people would find homes. Broken hearts and spirits would be mended. Unity would be a reality and not something that we just talk about on Sunday mornings or kind of wish in the back of our mind that would be possible. And people, all people, would experience love. Even the unlovable. Even the unlovable. The list could go on and on, but 
what you need to know is none of that's going to happen unless you believe it. Unless the church starts being the church. Unless we begin to live out being the hope of the world. That's what we are. That's what the local church is. The hope of the world. We're the hope of ourselves. Walk humbly. Do justice. And embrace faithful love. I'm so excited to be your pastor. I'm so thankful. Thank you. I'm grateful and I'm excited to do ministry with you. And this is just the beginning today. There's so much more, so many more years that we're going to have together. So much that we're going to do together. I'm not going to get it right all the time. I'm probably going to get it wrong a lot. But I'm going to try my hardest. I'm going to try to do my very best. And, and I'm going to ask that, that you would walk along with me and do the same. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity we have to gather together here 